Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley, and I am so excited to be here with you today. This is season six, episode 19, Key Elements to Pursuing Excellence. So last week, we began talking about the importance of being a positive leader and the impact our words, our actions, and our affect can have on our school culture. I shared some really great takeaways from the first part of John Gordon's The Power of Positive Leadership as it relates to the following tenets of his framework. Positive leaders drive positive cultures. Positive leaders create and share a positive vision. Positive leaders lead with optimism, positivity, and belief. Now, I know I said this last week, but I really feel like it's worth repeating. When I talk about positivity, I am not, and I repeat, not talking about toxic positivity, in which we think that, you know, by simply smiling and quote-unquote encouraging everyone to be positive, that our challenges are going to go away. I so much love this quote in John's book where he says, We are positive not because life is easy. We are positive because life can be hard. In fact, I love that so much that I included that exact quote in my weekly newsletter to my own staff. Now, when we are realistic about the fact that despite how great things are in our building that we will and I'm going to put that in bold, all caps, underline, we will face challenges, then we can establish strategies and approaches to successfully deal with them when they do happen. Because again, they are going to happen. I don't want anyone listening thinking that by implementing things that I'm suggesting or things that John talks about in his book, that suddenly you're never going to face another challenge again. We have to know that they're always going to be, they're always going to come. But the best thing that we can do as leaders is be prepared for that and try to mitigate some of those challenges. So this week, I'm going to talk about additional tenets from John's book. Um, he has such great wisdom, and we're going to focus on the following tenets this week. Positive leaders confront, transform, and remove negativity. Positive leaders create united and connected teams. Positive leaders build great relationships and teams. Positive leaders pursue excellence. Positive leaders lead with purpose. And positive leaders have grit. Now you all know that I am a quote junkie. And this is another one that John says that I love. He says, being positive won't guarantee that you'll succeed, but being negative will guarantee you won't. Oh, and I love that so much. Now, we know that positive leadership isn't just about focusing on being positive, but it's also about addressing the negative. You know, according to John, one of the biggest mistakes that leaders tend to make is ignoring negativity and hoping that's just going to go away on its own. Has it ever happened to you? The problem is, you all, is that it's not going to go away. Instead, it tends to breed and grow and try to sabotage a plan. Or sometimes that negativity will attempt to sabotage an entire organization. Now, as leaders, when it comes to negativity, we have three options. We can confront it, we can transform it, 
or we can remove it. Now, when I work with other principals, I often hear things like this, but Jill, I hate confrontation. In fact, that's a pretty common thing that I hear a lot. I think it's because the word confront has become a very aggressive word and people don't like being aggressive. Well, but the truth is in my experience, great leaders are not aggressive. So I guess that makes sense if you're making confrontation or confront synonymous with being aggressive. But it's not. In fact, my response when people tell me how much they want to avoid confrontation is this. Confrontation doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? If you can change your mindset to instead of thinking of confrontation as an aggressive or a bad or an abrasive thing, and instead view it as nothing more than addressing an issue. It may sound like semantics, but sometimes when we do that, it makes things a little bit easier to digest. So I have to ask you, how do you deal with confrontation? Do you readily accept the challenge when needed? Or does the mere mention of the word, when I say confront or confrontation, make the hair on the back of your arms or the back of your neck stand up? How about the rest of your admin team? How do they do with confrontation? How about the rest of your staff? Confrontation is a word that I know our staff talks about, and I give the same talk over and over because it does. People think that it means challenging, and and, and suddenly I just feel uneasy with that. But when you look at it as just let's talk about things, it does make it seem a little bit easier to overcome. I know I think I mentioned on a previous um, episode But I read in a book, I forget which book it was, but they talked about something called the 48-hour rule. And I love this rule. In fact, we're going to implement it in my own building next year. If you have an issue or have a problem with something or a challenge that comes across from another staff member, you have 48 hours to address it. And if you do not address it within those 48 hours, then you have to let it go. So I really do love that. You know, John also uses the term energy vampire. You've probably heard of that. And it gives suggestions for dealing with employees who fit in this category. So energy vampires are just that. They are people who literally suck the energy out of the room. All right, so I want you to think about your building right now. My guess when I say energy vampire is that you can immediately get one or two or maybe more, hopefully not more, but immediately you have a couple people come to mind So that might be on your direct team, or maybe they're just somewhere in the building, or maybe they are in a former building, or they're a former employee. Hopefully that's the case. My question becomes, when someone is an energy vampire in your building, how are you dealing with them? Another suggestion would be to implement what's called the no complaining rule. I mean, let's face it, we know that what we focus on, we get more of. So when employees focus all of their energy on complaining, then they can't simultaneously be focusing on being their best. The no complaining rule though, you all don't get it twisted. It doesn't mean that you can't complain, right? Because we certainly don't wanna put that out there or people will just implode from all the frustration. 
because don't forget, we're going to have challenges. But what the no complaining rule means is that if you come to me with a complaint as the leader, then you must also have one or two possible suggestions. This sets the tone that you want to hear concerns, but you also want to empower your staff to be problem solvers. Now, last week, we also talked about the importance of engaging all stakeholders in the creation of a shared vision and mission. In fact, it's one of the most critical things you can do. Now, knowing and understanding the vision and mission is only the first step, though. Once you've done that, the next step is to build connections with and among your team. Remember, being a leader means taking people with you. As the saying goes, there is no I or me in team. Now, a common complaint that I often hear when I do work with other leaders is, oh, I just don't have time to meet with everyone. I mean, don't get me wrong, you all, I get it. Our schedules are tight. But remember, relationships and connections are foundational elements to a great culture. But just like a great culture, great relationships and connections, they must be nurtured. Just because you have great relationships doesn't mean that you don't have to continue to work on those. Just like we talked about last week, just because you have a great culture doesn't mean that you don't work continuously to maintain that. We have to remember that people will follow the leader first and the vision second. There are two questions that your staff, your new and your established staff, think about the first when it comes to relationships. The first one is, can I trust you? And the second one is, do you care about me? Now, as educators, I'm sure this is not surprising at all to you because those are the same questions that our students ask themselves about the adults that they work with. John also talks about a rules before relationship leads to rebellion, kind of cliche. And I'm going to say that again. Rules before relationships lead to rebellion. I really think that that principle holds true with any relationship be it a professional or personal relationship. In fact, again, it's much like when students have a relationship with their teacher, their performance often increases. The same is true for our staff and leader relationships. When you have a relationship and you care about them and they know they can trust and believe in you, you are going to have better productivity, better results with your staff. So, what are some of those things that can influence your relationship in an organization, you might be asking yourself? Well, we've already talked a little bit about one, and that first one, and I know you know what I'm going to say, is trust. Now, Brick and Schneider, in their research, they found that schools with strong levels of trust at the outset of reform had a 1 in 2, a 50-50, chance of making significant improvements in math and reading. However, those who had weak trusting relationships only had a one in seven chance of making gains. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to hedge my bets on building those trusting relationships. A 50-50 chance, that's a pretty great chance that I'm going to put my money on. All right, the next one has to do with communication. Yes, I know I've talked about communication, but again, it's a lot like the mission and vision. I think that as positive leaders, communication is a key element. Clear, consistent communication is key to a positive environment. 
When communication is sporadic or unclear or absent, then it leaves room for distrust and negativity to seep in. I want you to think about the communication in your organization for a moment. On a scale from one to 10, how clearly do you communicate with your staff? On a scale from one to 10, how clearly would your staff say you communicate with them? Now, obviously the goal here is for us, both of those numbers to be as close to 10 as possible, and, or at least for both of those numbers to be consistent with one another. Speaking of consistency, is your communication consistent? Another thing about, do you communicate with everyone or are you only communicating with a select few members? How do you communicate? While newsletters and emails are an effective way to disperse information, they cannot replace face-to-face -face communication, especially with highly sensitive information. I would also challenge you to examine your communication expectations of your staff. What are your expectations of your team leaders? How do you expect them to convey information after you have an ILT meeting with their team? What are your expectations of your office staff when they answer the phones or when they greet families or, or community members when they visit? As a leader, how we communicate is critical, but of equal importance is our expectations for how others in our organization communicate. Remember, we want to be the example for our staff. I would also, as you're thinking about communication, encourage you to think about your structures. You're probably saying, what are you talking about when you mean structures? Well, what I mean is, do you have a systematic approach to ensuring that everyone in your building hears your message in a consistent format? Are you communicating in multiple platforms? Again, are you getting the word out to everyone or are you always relying on others to get your message out there? All right, the next variable that can influence a, a relationship, encouragement. You need to believe in others more than, you, more than they believe in themselves. So I'm gonna say that again because I kind of botched that one up. We need to believe in others more than they believe in themselves. We have to be encouragers, especially now. After coming back from a pandemic, I don't know about you all, but wow, people are so down on themselves and doubting their abilities. We have to be their cheerleaders. We have to let them know how great they're doing and empower them to do more of this great work that they're already engaging in. Your people have to know that you are committed to them. According to John, Positive leaders don't just share a positive vision and take the easy road to get there. They often ignore the easy path, in fact, and they take the more difficult road filled with service and sacrifice. And we know as leaders, service leadership is where it's at. Our people have to know that we care about them, that we want to encourage them, that we are committed to them, and that we are there to serve them and remove barriers so that they can teach. Now, we also know that positive leaders are never satisfied with the status quo. They pursue excellence and they understand that there is no finish line. I, th I think that's funny because I often say that we're on the home stretch, which in my opinion indicates that the finish line is in sight. 
I think of a couple of times of, of where I've ran, um, one time I ran a mini marathon or I've ran the Triple Crown here, which is a three-legged race um, here in, in Louisville. And I just think about the, about the time you want to give up, but then you can see the finish line and it starts to reinvigorate you. But the truth is, when John says that excellence has no finish line, that just means that we're never done, right? We don't just rest on our laurels. The other thing that positive leaders do is they model for others because they never stop learning and growing. As a leader, are you, model, are you modeling ongoing learning and growing for yourself or are you only expecting it from your people? My guess is you understand the importance of this because as a result of your desire to learn and grow, you're listening to this podcast right now and that's just one way that you're trying to grow as a leader. Other things you're probably doing, reading articles, following blogs, you're probably writing blogs, um, going to conferences, on social media in a professional learning network, the list goes on and on. Maybe you're back in school to further your education. The list goes on and on, but as leaders, we can't expect what we don't try to model. Now, speaking of expect, your approach to expectations, now that's a big one. I mean, we all know that a highly effective building has high standards for everyone, including the leader and all of the staff and all of the students. Now, what this means is that <clears throat> when you have high expectations, sometimes you might be seen as demanding. And I'm just going to give you permission to say that's okay. Hear me clearly. I said demanding, not demeaning. Okay? There's a difference there. You have to understand that you have to love your people, but you also have to hold them accountable. On page 142, John says, love without accountability means you will have great relationships and be a loving family, but you won't have a great team. And sometimes I think that we, we kind of um, use those words synonymously. And I'm going to say that again, because we at Kim would say that we are family, okay? But at the same time, because we have those accountable actions, we are a great team. On a great team, each player makes the others better. Everyone strives for excellence together and accomplishes great things together. On the other hand, if you have accountability without love, then you're not going to have commitment, buy-in, or loyalty. Think about if you're just pushing and pushing and pushing, but you've not taken time to build those relationships, you're going to end up with maybe a little bit of improvement, but your people aren't going to stick around and it's not going to last. And you're not going to be able to inspire passion or great teamwork in the long run. So I have to remind us, positive leaders always maintain a sense of purpose. Always. And with that purpose, you know, that's, that's kind of your why. Um, and John talks about the reason why. He says, motivation doesn't last, but purpose-driven motivation does. Trying to lead without purpose is like driving from New York to California on a half a tank of gas. You'll be running on empty before you know it. But knowing, remembering, and living your purpose is like having a series of gas stations along the journey. You can fuel up and keep moving forward. And we've talked about different ways to celebrate and remind ourselves of our why and our purpose. People think that hard work is, is what makes people tired. 
John says, hard work doesn't make us tired. A lack of purpose is what makes us tired. We don't get burned out because of what we do. We get burned out because we forget why we do it. That is so powerful. Research shows that more people, you're not even going to believe this, so I'm going to start this again. Research shows that more people die Monday morning at 9 a.m. than any other time. Now, you all want you to think about that. People would rather die than go to work. We live in a world where many are seeking happiness, but they are having trouble finding it. That's because happiness, it's not an outside job. Happiness is an inside job. It doesn't come from the work that you do, but rather from the meaning and purpose you bring to your work. He says, that's why I want to encourage you not to seek happiness. Live with your passion and purpose and happiness will find you. Don't chase success. Instead, decide to make a difference with a greater purpose and success will find you. That is so good. I had to read that to you. So one of the things that um, I was recently at a conference the other day and I was um, the guest speaker was kind of talking about the same thing. She talked about that sometimes as leaders, we're often so focused on, on success that we forget about the significance of what we do. And I think that that's just, we can never understate how important our why and our purpose for what we do and inspiring our people to remember the same thing. Now, as you stay the course as a positive leader focused on motivating your staff with purpose, don't forget the importance of embracing failure. We have to normalize failure, you all, and we have to model that on the road to success, failing forward is what gets us there. Leaders, we are on the home stretch. Remember, there's no finish line, but man, we can see the end of the year coming up. And for many of us, state testing is only a few weeks away. Oftentimes, and this is true, and if you have ever been a runner, then you know that this is true. Oftentimes, runners quit the race when they only have a few miles left to go. Our people need us now more than ever, and you all, we've got this. If you weren't a positive motivational leader who has high standards for him or herself, you wouldn't be listening, and I know we've got this. If you enjoyed this episode, Key Elements to Pursuing Excellence, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. I'd love to hear from you all, so let's connect. Now, if this is your first episode or you've not listened to the entire first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or any more of this sixth season, I really would love for you to check it out and let me know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates for Be the Leader You Deserve podcast. In fact, do it right now. Go up in the right corner and hit that subscribe or follow button. You'll be one of the first to get automatic updates every Friday morning. And if we aren't connected on Twitter Twitter and LinkedIn, let's change that status. Finally, listeners, please take a minute to leave an honest review and rating on Apple Podcast. They really help me out when it comes to the ranking of the show and I make it a point to read every single one of the ones I get. All right, leaders, have a great week and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve and what am I doing about it?